0: Hey, everybody. Welcome in to another episode of Future Brew right here on maizeandbrew.com. I am Vaughn Lozon. Join me today, Stephen Ostentosky coming off a weekend of all maize. Me, you, we were in the sea of maize at the big house this past weekend. How'd you enjoy the game, man? It was
1: great. It was a long day. I got to Ann Arbor mid-afternoon and uh, hung out in the Diag for a bit and then had some some cousins come by and it was fun. Got to explore the city first time in a couple of years for me. And I don't know about you. I was, I was pretty impressed with the amount of buy-in on the maze. I, I did not see much blue at all, which is uh, pretty surprising that I think Michigan was able to pull that off. Um, but, yeah. uh, but no, man, it was great. It was an electric atmosphere, great weather, not much to complain about. And uh, that's how I like my football Saturdays.
0: <laughs> yeah. I, I, I had a great time too. I also did not have a, uh, a single complaint. The weather, like you said, was phenomenal. Um, It was just fantastic. I mean, perfect weather for tailgating and the football game. And yeah, I got down there probably a little later than you did, but we, we were at pioneer high school tailgating for a couple hours and then walked over to the big house. And I was thoroughly happy with the amount of maze that was in the stadium and walking around the stadium before the game too. It was pretty nice to see. It, it was just interesting to me. Um, my dad who <laughs> actually caught a t-shirt from the t-shirt cannon and uh, the t-shirt was white. Wow. It was like the, yeah. That was like the one interesting thing that, uh, that, that I thought of was, man, we got the maze out and they're tossing white t-shirts. What's, what's what's going on here, man? Like,
1: I that's don't know. Maybe,
0: maybe they thought enough maize was in there already and <laughs> they just wanted some, uh, something different there. But, uh, but yeah, my dad, one hand snagged this t-shirt with his left hand. Nice. Reeled stole, it in. stole
1: it from some kid, right?
0: He st- well, <laughs> he, <laughs> he's well, he, he's kind of, he didn't steal it from a kid. The, the guy that was standing next to him was, he, he was probably around our age. You know, he was a, he was oh, a younger fine. guy twenties, uh, thirties and, uh, Uh, He he happily accepted defeat. Um, So there's that. But yeah, the game was great and uh, no complaints. It was a great college football Saturday, and I'm glad that we got to to witness that and kind of enjoy the electric atmosphere as the recruits did this past weekend. And like we kind of previewed last week with uh, the visitors list preview podcast that we did, uh, there were sure a ton of. Of high-ranked prospects and a ton of top targets on Michigan's board in both 22 and 23 that were on hand for this game against Washington. Michigan winning 31 to 10. And uh, man, I mean, let's just start off. Uh, we'll we'll kind of just recap a few of these guys. And there were a couple guys that we left out last week that we'll talk about this week. But let's just start right at the top again. We'll we'll get Walter Nolan out of the way because again. I mean, the game, the atmosphere, everything probably went about as good as it could have for Michigan in terms of recruiting and all of the recruits that were able to see everything unfold and the way that everything unfolded, especially on both lines of scrimmage and Walter Nolan being on the defensive line. Well, the D line for Michigan really balled out, got to the quarterback and in the backfield very quickly, especially Aiden Hutchinson. I thought, um, uh, um, uh, Mike Morris had a uh, a very nice game as well. Mozzie um, Smith had another nice game too, two in a row for him. So these things, they certainly help out when it comes to top-ranked prospects, especially Walter Nolan uh, and uh, a few of these other guys that we'll talk about who have wanted to see uh, some improvement of uh, on that side of the ball and, and just to see how that side of the ball was going to work out in general. Uh, but they wanted to see it against an actual team. I know Western, they're probably one of the better teams in the Mac this year, but they wanted to see it against uh, a power five opponent. They certainly did against Washington and it, it was this pretty much the same result. They dominated on both offensive and defensive lines. So in the case of Walter Nolan, it, Stephen, honestly, I mean, it sounds like things went well with him. He probably couldn't have had much better of an experience than he did in Ann Arbor this past Saturday, but I'm still not expecting much to develop here. But Michigan is still in it.
1: Yep, I'm with you. It's exactly what we said. Leave no doubt. And I think they did that on the field. You mentioned the good play from Ozzie Smith. I think. Uh, Hinton flashed at times, but he was a little bit more quiet, but um, Mozzie Smith, especially Mike Morris was there too. And really even Hutchinson, even though he's an edge type player, those are the kind of guys that the interior defensive line wants to play with, right? When you have a difference maker like that on the defensive end as an edge rusher, that's going to only elevate your game because of how much offenses have to prep for a guy like that. So Hutchinson obviously flashed and shined throughout the night. So Uh, the more you can have guys flying around like that on defense, the better, better off you'll be for your defensive recruits. I mean, everything we said, uh, leading into this podcast, talking about the environment, the weather, everything like that, it's, we'll never be asking the question, you know, what if Michigan would have done this against Washington? Would that have changed anything for Walter Nolan? Everything was there, man. Everything, (laughs) everything was there. And, um, you know it 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 is what it is at this point and um you know if, if i think we have said it a few times if he's going anywhere other than the sec it's probably michigan and uh tonight went about as well as you could have hoped for getting like a defensive lineman you know it's that's it's not really a position unless you're uh Nadamicazu that like will really shine yeah. you know in, in a given game so it's more about those, like, you know, there was a first half shutout. So things like that, like the offense for Washington just wasn't really moving until, you know, you could argue in the second half a little bit through the air, but, but anyway, yeah, the defense did what it had to do. And, um, all of the other intangibles were in place to give Walter Nolan the best experience possible. So, so yeah, I'm with you. I don't think it moved the needle a whole lot. I'm not seeing any rumblings after, uh, this visit, but, Uh, I don't think that's any fault of Michigan's. It's just kind of a happenstance of where his priorities lie and and, um, where he personally is leaning towards at this point.
0: Yeah, let's just stick with the defensive line here uh, just to keep with that theme of uh, how dominant they really played against Washington and how I feel like it probably helped more so with a prospect like Kenneth Grant, the uh, three-star defensive lineman. Uh, in this 2022 class who is also on hand uh, for his official visit uh, this past weekend. He's six, four, three 335, the number 511 overall prospect from the state of Indiana has his final three of Michigan, Ohio state, and Wisconsin already took his two officials to those other two programs. And honestly, for me with the way that the defensive line played, this really helps out with a prospect like Kenneth Grant, who kind of made it publicly known that he was really wanting to see the development from the defensive line this season. And they've done a pretty nice job in these first two games now that he was able to see that up close, as well as the, the maze out atmosphere, the big win, uh, obviously the uh, dominant defensive line and the fact that his pretty much his entire family was on hand for this game as well kind of makes me think that Michigan might be out in front at this point, Steven.
1: Yeah. And it's a guy that he has the Ohio state offer. He has a Wisconsin offer. He's got the right, like, you know, he's still outside the top 500 overall on the composite, but uh, ranked quite a bit higher on 24/7 sports as 42nd overall defensive lineman. And exactly what you said. uh, I think there, there is a lot of proof for Sean Nua on the interior defensive line, especially we just haven't really had a disruptor at that position. So to do that, against a power five opponent you know it's one thing to do that against western hopefully we can knock on wood continue that against uh, northern illinois but there's a reason that michigan invited a lot of these guys to this game uh it's because that's what recruits want to see they want to see them prove it against actual you know power five comp- level competition and um the same sort of deal where when when a recruitment is going in the right direction which i feel like we've Uh, we've seen kind of go that way for Kenneth Grant. It's been kind of just like, keep on the path, you know, just, just don't, don't ruin this thing because Michigan had a good lead on them and they're continuing to impress. And then when you bring in a guy, um, you know, that, that brings his family, his coach, his his girlfriend, I think his, his mom was there. Um, That's just, it's all pointing in the right direction and Michigan uh, continues to impress it, and it's it's nice to do that on the field as well. So um, so it, it's tough because you'll never see Ohio State go away if they're truly interested. Um, so so we'll see it's, uh, again, it's tricky with this when you mention how important it is to him to see the development of the defensive line. That's when you start looking at other programs like, all right, what is Ohio State doing on their interior defensive line, you know, against Oregon? How, how much weight does that hold with him as well? So that's when you start like trying to figure out how, how high is that priority on his list and how much is he comparing Michigan's current performance versus, you know, Ohio State's performance, how that impacts that. So that's kind of like the yeah. only other thing I'm looking at here in the competition. But um, again, with Michigan, kind of what we said for Walter Nolan, but I think Michigan obviously has a better chance at Kenneth Grant and are continuing to impress there.
0: Yeah, rightfully so. They should continue to impress and continue to recruit him just as much as they are recruiting Walter Nolan. And yeah, honestly, with the way that Ohio State's defensive line played, I I feel like they got beat more on the edges than they did on the inside more often than not in that game against Oregon. So I, I was actually pretty impressed with the way that their interior defensive line has played the first two weeks of the season. So I don't know. It feels like Ohio State wants some other guys in their class over Kenneth Grant. He's kind of one of those backup reserve type players on their board. So I don't know. We'll see how much of a priority they end up making him uh, as the uh, recruiting cycle, I guess, kind of develops through these uh, next few months into the early signing period. Let's talk about Domani Jackson, Stephen. Let's waste no more time and get right to him because this is quickly – quickly, especially today, become a very important uh, prospect and a recruitment here. We talked about him at length last week. He was coming in for his visit to Michigan, uh, got to see the big house up close for the first time in a game atmosphere and certainly couldn't have went much better than that. Meanwhile, on the complete opposite side of the country, with the school that he is committed to at USC, they ended up getting whomped at home to a pretty bad Stanford team. And today, Monday, uh, the 13th, we are recording this today. Clay Helton got fired. So he is no longer the head coach at USC. Coincidentally enough, Domani's position coach, Dante Williams, is now the interim head coach as they go through their process of getting a new head coach uh, at USC. So, Stephen, I don't know, man. With with USC losing and the new head coach Uh, whoever that ends up being that new head coach is going to have to do some very quick work on this 22 class. Um, And and just honestly, just the bad showing from the defensive backs over the first couple of games from USC. It just, it it hasn't really been that pretty uh, for the Trojans over there. I I feel like this uh, is definitely more achievable than originally thought for Michigan. What's your take on this recruitment now that Clay Helton is out and Michigan got to show him probably the best time imaginable uh, on Saturday. I'll start this with a
1: joke that me and my buddies do, me and my wife do. Whenever something looks kind of inevitable, right? That, oh, this isn't going to happen, whatever. And then there's a sliver of a chance. What we'll do, I'll, I'll look at someone and then I'll make this, pardon my my uh, noise here, but I'll go, re. And it's just a door (laughs) opening up a little bit. I'll pretend like I'm opening a doorknob and that's it. And that's what this is, man. I know we talked about last week how for both Walter Nolan and Damani Jackson, it was kind of like, yeah, this is a long shot. And how things went in Ann Arbor, as we were discussing with Walter Nolan, couldn't have gone much better. It seems like that's the case for Damani Jackson in terms of that experience. You could not pick a better night game for Damani Jackson, say, you know, he was hanging out with the team after at, after he was in Ann Arbor at the big house, goes back to his hotel room. Those West Coast games go until like, what, 2 a.m. or something. Um, turns on that game and he's watching USC just getting kind of boat raced by Stanford, a team yeah. that should not be doing that. And then one day after that, you know, as he's on his way back uh, to California, that head coach that's been recruiting him really hard gets fired. So like. To have that happen in the same weekend when things go really well in Ann Arbor, things are falling apart in USC, head coach gone. Um, I mean, this is, you know, we were saying it for Walter Nolan where it's like you can't do anything more. The stars couldn't align anymore for <laughs> Tomani Jackson to have a potential to join Michigan. Um, there's literally not more that, can, that Michigan could have done and that could have happened in the college football world <laughs> to get him in Ann Arbor as the class of 2022. So like, again, it's a thing where if he's going to USC now, he was never going anywhere else because things are up in arms. Now, sure, you did mention whoever's the next guy at USC, he's going to have to step up big. Um, The only positive you could potentially see is because of the new regime, maybe some guys will transfer out and there could be additional playing time early for Damani Jackson. I don't think that matters because I think he'll be an instant impact player wherever he goes. But that's the only thing, right? If if it's the program that he really wants to go to, kind of like a J.J. McCarthy type deal, right? Where it's I'm coming to the university, not the coach. Um, That's the only way that divine Jackson still goes there because everything else is the SpongeBob meme where everything's on fire. And there's like just (laughs) everyone just running around with their heads cut off. Like, that's it. That's it. So like, again, what else, what else can happen to make Ann Arbor look more favorable (laughs) in this weekend? You lay out that blueprint and that is what we got like just verbatim. So, so yeah, man, um, I don't know what else needs to happen. If it was ever going to happen, you know, Michigan did all they could and the football world did all they could this weekend.
0: Yeah, I think the one other thing that would help here is his position coach, Dante Williams, who's the interim head coach, also gets let go with whoever the head coach is that comes in. If he just wants to completely clean house and bring in his own staff, then I think that would really, really go a long way, especially in – Uh, Domani not only just taking a very, very close look at Michigan, but also decommitting from USC, because that's the first step here is he's going to have to decommit from USC. And he's been very firm in his commitment throughout this entire process, visited Alabama over the summer just visited Michigan and has still made it clear that he's committed to the Trojans, but we'll certainly see how it goes. And uh, hopefully this doesn't get outdated by the time it's uh, actually published. (laughs) It would be damning if uh, he ends up decommitting uh, Wednesday, uh, two minutes before this gets published, but uh, we'll certainly see. I think Michigan's got a good shot for a flip at the very least. They'll keep in this recruitment, especially with the help of JJ McCarthy and uh, Will Johnson and all of those guys recruiting Domani. So we'll certainly see how it goes. But let's turn our attention to another five-star on the West Coast who came into Ann Arbor for his official visit. And that's Josh Connerly, the five-star offensive lineman from Seattle, listed as uh, the number 20 overall recruit in this class. And uh, he is certainly one of the top talents along the offensive line In this class, Michigan really needs some more guys along the offensive line to really build with what they've already got. They've got a couple three-stars in Connor Jones, who is also on campus this weekend, and uh, Alexander uh, uh, Lorenzetti. I hope I pronounced that correctly. But uh, it kind of just goes back to what I was talking about earlier with the the line play uh, on both sides, just this side being the offensive line. And you saw what Michigan did uh, with the ground game, Uh, On Saturday with Blake Corum, Hassan Haskins, both running for over 100 yards. Blake Corum ripped off a 67-yard touchdown run. uh, Really had some nice offensive line play with uh, the pulling of not only the guards pulling, but the tackles at certain points in the game. uh, Really making some nice pulls and blocks there. So it was truly a team effort. I thought Vastardis at center played really well up until he came out with his cramps. Brought in Greg Crippen, the true freshman. They had Trent A. Jones. Uh, come in for a play at right tackle at one point. Filiaga is uh, really the reserve at this point with Zach Zinter being the starter now and he uh, being back from his injury, but he came in at points. And uh, honestly, I thought this offensive line played about as well as they could have, Steven, and that's got to go a really long way with Josh Connerly being one of the dominant offensive linemen in this 22 class and uh, with the report that uh, Steve or I'm sorry, uh, Sam Webb uh, over at uh, the Michigan Insider had uh, about just this kind of moving the needle a little bit. And I, I saw some uh, a report that it wouldn't be surprising there if crystal balls started coming in for the maize and blue. These, these things are starting to sound pretty nice here, Steven. So it sounds like the, with the way the o line played. Uh, the environment and just everything—it kind of sounds like the the needle has moved just a smidge more in in Michigan's favor for Josh Connerly.
1: Yeah, it does seem that way. And usually, when I look at on-field performance, I try to keep it in check and say, like, yeah, this—you know—this is a good performance. But how much does this really translate to what recruits want to see? You know, sometimes the mindset is, oh, I can like from the recruits point of view, I can make a difference. You know, this will be different by the time I get there. And I think on a macro level, that's that's generally true um, with some extremes. Okay. What I mean by that is when you have over 50 carries uh, on the day and you're averaging over six yards per carry against an opponent like Washington, um, that's an extreme. That's something where regardless of, even what year you are, whether you're 2022 or 23, um, that's going to have an impact because that's, that's pretty absurd. Those numbers are absurd and that catches your attention, right? It's, it's one thing to pick up 150 or even 200 yards on the ground to pick up 340 yards on the ground is just pretty, pretty wild. And you don't see that all that often. So you're right. When it comes to like an offensive lineman's, dream to see. It's like, yeah, we're just paving in this other offensive line throughout the game from start to finish. And that's our identity, right? And that's Michigan's identity right now. They just bull people over. They have uh, the requisite depth to do it. And they have the endurance apparently to do that for a full four quarters. So um, I, I think I was mentioning how important getting a guy like Josh Connerly um, was in our last podcast. He's really, uh, I think, you know, we, we just don't have a whole lot of talent in this class at this point on the offensive line and don't mean to say that to be um, to be uh, anything negative towards the current commits. But Connerly's a true tackle, um, five star guy, top 20. And then, as we mentioned, he has, you know, the crystal balls to Washington <laughs> when you're an offensive lineman and you see the team that you're you were potentially favoring just getting caved in like that by another offensive line, that's going to it's going to raise some eyebrows is putting it nicely, at least in my eyes. So so we'll see. But um, as you said, man, there's there's no better way than uh, than picking up 340 yards on the ground to appeal to an offensive lineman recruit. And obviously, Connor Lee is a, a big part of that.
0: Yeah, I want to emphasize what you said, too. I mean, no disrespect to the two other guys who are committed to this class, but kind of goes back to what I was saying last week with. The two guys that are currently committed with Connor Jones and Lauren Setti, these guys are developmental prospects and Josh Connerly is just one of those guys that could really have a Cesar Ruiz type role where you get him in some games his freshman season and then his sophomore year, boom, he's off. He's he's a starter wherever, whether it's left tackle, right tackle, somewhere on the interior. I mean, he's going to be an early starter uh, in his career early on wherever he goes, whether it be Michigan, whether it be Washington, Oregon, wherever he ends up going, he's going to start early and often. So he's just that type of talent. The two guys that Michigan's got, they could end up being really nice players down the road, but they're not instant impact guys. Josh Connerly is. So he's certainly a very important player uh, prospect in this 22 class for Michigan. And uh, uh, clearly why all of these schools, Washington, Alabama, Oregon, Texas, Oklahoma why they're all courting him for his services so very important player well and it sounds like good news uh for this recruitment with just the way that things went this past weekend and we'll see if uh he shuts down his recruitment at any point soon but uh he he certainly uh left Ann Arbor impressed is what it sounds like so let's move on to the last couple guys here in the 22 class and then we'll go to a couple guys in 23 Let's start with the Amorian Walker, and we talked about him last week, too. The uh, versatile uh, defensive back wide receiver recruit. He's 6'4", buck 75, number 541 overall in the 22 class on the 24-7 composite from the state of Louisiana and took his official visit this past weekend. He's big. He's fast. He's pretty much everything you want out of a wide receiver recruit, which it sounds like they're more so recruiting him at that position, but can certainly play defensive back as well. Now, going back to that uh, Sam Webb report that I had uh, mentioned earlier uh, with Josh Connerly, he also brought up Amorian Walker saying that he, uh, Amorian Walker, it's it's the prospect that he is the closest to putting a crystal ball in uh, for Michigan uh, from the visitors this past weekend. So I don't know. It, it really sounds like uh, Michigan knocked it out of the park with this recruit in particular. Morgan Walker being committed to Notre Dame as well, uh, has been committed to the Irish since March, but has been pretty open to visiting some other schools. Like we mentioned last week, he's visited Alabama uh, and got the offer from Alabama when he camped down there uh, this past summer and got an LSU uh, and Ole Miss as well and uh, visited those two schools uh, once he got those offers and uh, visited Michigan for the barbecue at the big house this past summer. So he he's kind of been all over the place, Steven. So at this point, doesn't really seem like that Notre Dame verbal commitment is very strong at, at this point. And it sounds like Michigan really did something this past weekend to make him interested in the Wolverines.
1: Yeah. And his recruitment's, you know, one of those guys we mentioned where it, it just seems like something was missing with his offer list. Uh, that ranking just doesn't match with the size and speed that he has. So despite, you know, Ronnie Bell and all of our discussion of how many how many guys can Michigan really take? Um, the more I watch this film and went back and watched it earlier today, the more I'm convinced that I just want him a part of this class. Um, So, yeah, I mean, his coach had really good things to say about Ron Bellamy, which is obviously a really good sign, something you really want to see. And and it's also great that they have that connection, um, at at least uh, back in the day when um, his high school coach, Marion Walker's high school coach was Ron Bellamy's coach in high school. So when you have that and then you continue that relationship, that's just another feather in Michigan's cap at this point. And, um, you're right to, to have him be called out, not as like, you know, oh, I'm considering this guy for Crystal Ball, but being like the guy, uh, the primary guy that, uh, Sam Webb's closest to that, that means that Michigan is at least in the lead. If there is going to be a flip at this point, at least that's what that seems like. So, um, so yeah, man, I, it, it, it's a guy where if you run a four, four, you're six, four. Um, you got a 40 inch vertical bam is interested. Um, I don't know what else you, you want from the guy. Right. I think it's one interesting thing I was thinking about where he's a true kick return threat. Cause even though he has speed, I was impressed with his, um, kind of with his jitteriness overall, um, punt return is an area where like Michigan, I think, could have used some help in special teams. Overall, I think Michigan special teams is really solid, but punt return, obviously, without Ronnie Bell, um, could use an impact player. And um, that's something that I, I was thinking during the game. I'm like, oh, maybe um, Omar Walker is like seeing a potential fit here with his skill set. So it's little things like that where um, it's good to see that despite the kind of lack of production at wide receiver, uh, for this game, he's able to see kind of like past that, you know, I think there's, there's ways that Michigan can, can pitch that and, uh, to recruit sometimes, you know, to them, it's like, oh man, they need a guy like me to, to fix, you know, whatever issues there are going on with the program. So, um, I'm not too worried about that. And obviously whatever Michigan did, if, if he's trending towards Michigan in, in a, this strong of a nature, as it seems, then, um, you know they're they're able to to get past all of that pretty well so so i'm excited and and the more i watch his film the more i'm uh more i'm on board with uh with hopefully pulling him away from
0: the irish yeah i'm totally down for this flip i think he would be a great uh great way to really end what would probably be the wide receiver class uh, of 22 for michigan i feel like his yeah. his best position is wide receiver At 6'4", Buck 75, he can do so much. And with that 4.4 speed, allegedly that he ran at that 40 time at that Alabama camp uh, back in June, really, really versatile player and someone that I'm also very personally excited about if he would uh, flip and uh, commit to Michigan. Let's move on to our final prospect in the 22 class, and then we'll move on to 23. And that's Damani Denton. We did not talk about him last week, but also – quietly becoming a very important prospect on the big board for Michigan in this 22 class. He is a six foot, 175 pound safety. He is not highly ranked whatsoever, uh, but he is number 1,476 on the composite Uh, from the city of Jacksonville in Florida. Obviously that is George Hilo territory. So they're Certainly going to make him a priority if he's from that area. Was recently offered by Oregon and Pitt, which is kind of what made him back off that verbal pledge that he had to Akron and uh, Michigan also getting in on the offer there. And after his official visit this past weekend, uh, he told 24-7 Sports that Michigan is now his top school and that he plans to make a commitment next month on October 10th. So I don't know, man. I feel like this is another one of those that it, he says that it's October 10th. I could see it happening a little sooner than that. It really seems like Michigan made a big move for him in this recruitment as well. And Michigan is in need of safeties in this class. And that's one of the positions that they really haven't uh, re- haven't really hit much on in this class, they've missed they've swung and missed on a lot of their top guys, Couple couple uh, four stars that ended up committing to Clemson earlier in this cycle. And uh, the uh, uh, Alabama kid, uh, Jacoby Albert, also uh, leaving Michigan off his list. So this I don't know, man, I mean, with the way that the safeties are are starting to play. Uh, on Mike McDonald's defense. It really seems like they want to make that a priority position. I don't know if that's more so the, the bad play of the cornerbacks. I I don't know if it's that or not, but they're really getting a lot of these safeties out there. Rod Moore played a ton this past weekend, and obviously uh, they're, they're getting some of these other guys in there along with Brad Hawkins and Daxton Hill. So they told Damani Dent that they want him to play that sort of Daxton Hill type role in this defense. And uh, with the way that they're utilizing him in these first two games, if I were a prospect and uh, I were pitched to play like Daxton Hill, I would be pretty ecstatic about that. Uh, if I were being told that, you know, I, I was an Akron commit at one point, and the Michigan comes in and says, hey, we want you to play like this five star that's about to get drafted in the first couple of rounds in the NFL draft. I don't know, man. I I feel like I would shut shut down my recruitment right there and then. What would you do? I mean, this is this is just uh, a, a prime opportunity for this recruit who um really didn't have much of a recruitment up until uh, the last few months when he got the uh, the Oregon, Michigan, and Pitt offer, and uh, things quickly turned around there. So I don't know. It seems like this is another recruitment that Michigan leads in, and uh, I want to get your thoughts on uh, this prospect, and then we'll move on.
1: Yeah, it was, it was interesting. You mentioned the kind of pitch to be the next kind of Daxton Hill type role. Um, before this podcast, I was watching his film and I was like, okay, this guy has, has a lot of experience at both safety and cornerback. And the thing I liked about his film, most at wide receiver was his physicality. He's able to block really well in the edges. Um, and, and that may seem like a small thing, but it, having that experience blocking as a wide receiver, he understands leverage. He understands positioning where he needs to be. And think about how important that is um, for a safety and cornerback playing the boundary. Think of how well Daxton Hill places himself on the boundary in just these first couple games, especially and how important that's been to shutting down um, both western and washington on any sort of screen passes, any um, you know bubble, Bubble screens, any anything like that, swing passes to the running backs. That's just a huge, huge part of your defense that Daxon Hill has um, really provided a ton of value in. And uh, I was encouraged to see that in dense um, film because at the very least he'll have that uh, that familiarity. So being both cornerback and safety, you know, we all know Daxon Hill's ability to play both of those, and people have talked about his pro potential as a cornerback in the NFL. So having that physicality experience at both safety and cornerback position. I liked him most when he was operating in his own and able to fly up to the flats and make a, make a play. So um, at the very least, he's going to have the experience. He's going to understand how to play the perimeter at that position. Now being ranked that low, it's, it's one of two things, right? Is he limited athletically? Is he, um, you know, elite bloomer? It's a thing when you have kind of three offers in five days, like he did from Oregon, uh, Pitt and Michigan, as you mentioned, that's a thing where it's like, okay, it's probably not athleticism. You don't see, uh, maybe you'll see a program, take a chance on that. I feel like you don't really see a lot of programs really coming forward at the same time like that, unless, um, you know, unless it just was a guy who was kind of off radars. So um, I, I would need to see more film to, to really answer that question. You know, what's his true ceiling, where should he be ranked? Um, probably higher three stars where I would currently have him, but he plays in Florida, you know, it's a talent rich uh, region down there. So, um, so I, I like him for, for a couple reasons, mainly because of his, ability to play both ways and the familiarity at multiple positions that will just raise that floor of what he'll be able to do when he steps onto Michigan's campus. He has the right skill set for it. Um, and I like just, as I mentioned, multiple programs coming forward at the same time, it it does seem like Michigan is like Michigan and Oregon, pretty, pretty alone at the top of, uh, like the prestigious schools, you know, top level power five programs at this point. But, um, but you're right. When when you missed on a couple guys like Michigan has at the safety position, you do have to reach a little bit. And um, he seems intriguing. So I, I'd like to see him like his testing numbers and, and really what that uh, ceiling is like athletically before I call it like a home run. But um, he's going to have a lot of familiarity. And I think it's a good fit for the defense overall.
0: Yeah, I think so, too, especially with, you know, kind of like what you just alluded to there. They so they, they missed on a few other safety prospects in this class, and that's kind of just what you got to do. But uh, Hilo is tapping into his roots in Jacksonville, and, and perhaps they found a, a hidden gem there uh, with Damani Dent, and they certainly think highly of him as a prospect if they want him to be uh, visiting officially and uh, taking in that atmosphere and continuing to recruit him and make him a priority, which they certainly have. So it'll be interesting to see if he gets to Oregon before that October 10th Commitment deadline uh, of his and that, that'll really be like the one determining thing if it ends up being a, uh, uh, a two horse race or or if it ends up just being Michigan all the way. So we'll see. But we will uh, take a quick break, talk about a couple 23 prospects that visited this past weekend. But let's talk about home field, home field apparel. We've been talking about them for for About a year now, actually, is when we have started our partnership with Home Field. It's been a great year, and they are a premium collegiate apparel brand based out of Indianapolis. Not only is their stuff comfy, but it's officially licensed gear, so they do not screw around when it comes to their designs. And the cool thing about Home Field is that uh, the team over there, they study every school's history, traditions, legacies. And with all of that, they create thoughtful designs that tell the unique story of each university and homefield home field that has some awesome original Michigan designs that you will not find anywhere else. And, uh, you know, this, the holidays are coming up here. So why not get in on some early holiday buying action here, go to homefieldapparel.com and uh, use that promo code that we've been blasting at you for ever. Now that's MNB use that at checkout and you'll get 20% off your entire first order. Again, homefieldapparel.com promo code MNB and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched up with a licensed therapist, and if for some reason that therapist isn't working out for you, you can switch at any time for no additional charge. Get life's challenges off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash m to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash block M. All right, everybody, thanks for sticking around. We're going to end the pod today talking about a couple other prospects who visited Michigan this past weekend. These guys are in the 23 class, so they are currently juniors. These were unofficial visits, obviously. You can't take official visits until your senior season. These two guys are local, and uh, two of the uh, top three in-state prospects Uh, in this 23 class that we are going to discuss. Now, the top player in the state of Michigan in 23 was also in Ann Arbor, and that's Dante Moore, the five-star quarterback. Uh, But we are going to talk about a couple other guys, both one of them is on offensive line, one of them is on defensive line. Let's talk about the defensive lineman first, and that's Jalen Thompson. He stands 6'4", he's 245, the number 169 overall player in this class. He's the number two prospect in the state of Michigan. And uh, I got to talk with him uh, after that visit, Stephen, and he said that it was a fun, very positive atmosphere. He got treated like family, got to speak with Coach Sean Nua, and to hang out with a few other prospects. He said that it was fun and that they were bonding, had a good time, and uh, got to see some of his former teammates at the next level. And he told me that he will more than likely visit Michigan again uh, this season. So I don't know. It's uh, one of those things, these 23 guys, obviously it's going to take some time to really get their recruitments going. Obviously with Jalen Thompson, uh, his former head coach at uh, Cass tech um, uh, Thomas Wilcher is now an assistant coach in East Lansing. So Michigan state is obviously going to be a huge factor here, but Again, just one of those small things here that early on in these recruitments can really go a long way down the road and it really seems like he's fortified his uh, relationship with Coach Sean Nua and hopefully uh, will continue to do that with him, some of the other players and some of the other defensive coaches like Mike McDonald as well down the road. So uh, just another solid visit for Jalen Thompson. Hopefully uh, for Michigan's sake, he's able to visit for another game later this season.
1: Yeah. It's, it's one of those things where it's just, you have to establish those relationships early. And um, I think it's just, just don't mess it up. Right. <laughs> Get those relationships. Um, make sure it's a good experience. You got, it's a long road for these guys, especially as you mentioned, coming from Cass tech, you have Wiltshire over there at the Spartans in East Lansing. So it's something where uh, you just have to show everything that you can to them and ensure that, uh, that you're just putting your best foot forward. And that's seemingly what Michigan's done based on the comments uh, that you discussed with him. So um, I think at his size, 6'3, 245, he, he fires off the line really well. So uh, for his film as a sophomore already, uh, really like the athleticism he has. And it'll be interesting to see how his body develops. Um, and Michigan has the advantage of being uh, kind of the first school. That uh, that hit hit him up. So that's something that that he mentioned means a lot to him, and uh, and that's really important. You know, as soon as uh, schools were able to contact recruits, Michigan made made him a priority, and that's you know I I said putting your best foot forward. That's exactly uh, what that looks like. So um, so that's that's what you want to hear, and uh, he probably saw what he wanted to see with a guy you know similarly sized and. Aiden Hutchinson, you know, a little bit bigger. Aiden Hutchinson is, but um, we'll see. At this point, it's it's looking like he could be an edge prospect. He does primarily play with his uh, hand in the ground as a more of a four three defensive end. But um, it'll be interesting to see how he develops. But uh, of the the two guys, we'll talk here, and of the twenty twenty three guys, I think I'm most intrigued with his skill set, just because he he fires off extremely quickly. Really great push pull. Um, You know, he does have to bulk up a bit. think he can add some strength, but um, you know, there's a reason he's a top 200 recruit already. And uh, if he continues his path, I think he could probably sneak into the top 100. I think he has that speed, that natural athleticism to uh, really develop into something special. So just stay the course, right? Stay the course um, with a new defense, putting, uh, getting those relationships uh, early on are really important in Michigan. Um, seemingly uh, has prioritized him appropriately for being uh, uh, an in-state guy who's who's heavily looking at the Spartans as well. Well,
0: Let's see if you think highly about this next prospect. See if you think he can be in the top 100 because he's currently not right now. He's at uh, 174 overall, the number three prospect in the state of Michigan in this 2023 class, and that is Amir Herring, who if you don't know by now, you might want to familiarize yourself with him. Uh, he is from West Bloomfield, which obviously Michigan is very familiar with. Interior offensive lineman. He's the number six at that position in this class. He's listed at six four, two eighty. All five predictions on the crystal ball right now are in Michigan's favor, and I would imagine that uh, you know that's for good reason. He got offered by Michigan very early on, and uh, he he has stayed. The course with communicating with not only his head uh, former head coach and Ron Bellamy, but also Sharon Moore, the current uh, co-offensive coordinator and offensive line coach now at Michigan. But he, he's got offers from a ton of other schools, Michigan State, Penn State, uh, Kentucky, uh, Purdue, Ole Miss. I mean, he's got pretty much... Uh, every region imaginable. And uh, he is on the Polynesian bull roster as well. Uh, just a a great offensive line prospect in my opinion, but he was on hand uh, for this uh, past weekend's game. And I got to speak with him as well. And he had some very good things to say about his experience in Ann Arbor, had a very similar experience to Jalen Thompson, got to uh, catch up uh, with some of his former teammates and got to talk with coach Moore, coach Bellamy, uh, Josh Gaddis and, and, Uh, Jim Harbaugh as well said that the vibe from the players and coaches uh, was great there during his time in Ann Arbor. He's also interested uh, in a few other schools that I did not mention just previously, and that was Ohio State, Georgia, uh, Georgia Tech, Alabama, uh, Missouri. And Clemson are the other schools, Uh, but he got to hang out with Dante Moore, uh, the aforementioned number one overall prospect in the state of Michigan. Also got to hang with Deion Walker, who is a heavy Michigan lean in the 22 class. Uh, Also got to hang out with Jalen Thompson, who we just talked about, and then a few other uh, five stars in the 22 class in Domani Jackson, Josh Connerly. And Will Johnson. So I don't know, man. I mean, it seemed like he really hung out with uh, the the priority prospects for Michigan in this 22 class. Uh, That just to me, that kind of just screams that he is also a priority prospect in this 23 class, along with Jalen Thompson. And uh, what what do you think about him as a prospect? You think he can be a a top 100 player? What do you think of him uh, at this stage in his development?
1: Yeah, we'll see. It was it was actually pretty funny because I was starting to watch his film, and I'm like, man, I just don't really see it. He's kind of firing off a little bit slow. Um, and then I realized I was watching his freshman year highlights. I flip on his sophomore year highlights, and uh, he, he had corrected a lot of that. So um, he is playing left tackle, at least in his sophomore uh, year highlights. So there's a little bit of projection to do there, right? Because I, I don't think he's best as a tackle. I was impressed when he was pulling. I think he can still get a little faster but um, he's a very heady player. So he's uh, he understands where to go to the second level. He chops his feet really well, stays engaged throughout the entire play blocking, you know, 10, 15 yards downfield on running plays. So, um, you know, I think pass protection could improve again. It's, it's a lot different from the tackle position to the guard or even center. So there's, there's definitely, definitely some, some uh, speculation that you have to do on a guy like this, where it's obvious he's, he's, a really solid talent. So they're playing him at tackle for a reason, but I think there's still some work to do. There um, are at least some, some projection to do on how he'll, he'll look on the interior. But uh, at this point, run mulling is all there. Um, there's some screen passes he can get out on and uh, getting to the second level. He keeps his head up and he understands Um where he needs to be. So he's a very heady player. He seems intelligent. Um, and for the interior offensive line, that's, that's a big thing you need as well, especially at center, which I think he could be down the line. So, so yeah, I, I don't know if he's top, uh, top 100 level. Um, I don't know if I see that level of athleticism to be honest, but, um, I I think he's for sure like a coveted four-star prospect. Um, and I, I think with the amount of improvement I saw from his freshman year to his sophomore film, um, I'm really interested to see how he develops further, right? Because there are a lot of things in terms of technique, hand placement, um, just firing out of uh out of his stance that um I saw he really needed to improve upon. And he he did those things. So um, you know, if he continues to develop athletically, uh then you know, who am I to say you can't be 100, you know, I'm just a guy and, and, uh, he's on a good path from what I've seen in just one year. And he's got, you know, a couple of seasons here to refine his skill set. So, um, again, another, another reason why Michigan's approach in the run game and, and their performance in executing that will, uh, pay dividends. You know, I think maybe a little bit less so for a 2023 guy, uh, than a 2022 guy, but, um, you know, I think it's, I, I think it's silly to think that it wouldn't be uh, it, it wouldn't have some impact. It's just a matter of how much. So, so yeah, I, I think I'm still a little bit higher on uh on Jalen Thompson at this point, but um, I don't know if that's necessarily fair because for offensive linemen, those guys generally take a bit longer to develop and uh, you know, it, it we, we still have time to figure out what, what Herring's going to be. And I think Thompson, the athleticism flashes there. So maybe I'm, you know, I'm uh, swayed by the eye candy, whatever the, the flashy plays that you see out of one guy and, and ignoring some other aspects. So, so who knows, but I'm, I'm happy to see that, uh, that again, Michigan is putting him with a lot of their top 2022 prospects that shows, again, they're putting him as priority as one of the top guys in the class. And, um, you know, that's all you can ask for. Just do do your best and get them on campus, form those relationships and uh, leave no doubt on um, what kind of effort that you put in there.
0: Yeah, I, I think so too. And John Simmons has said this on the podcast before as well. I could see him kind of being that first commitment of the 23 class and being the Giovanni El-Hadi of the class and kind of rounding the troops together, especially the in-state guys, because this 23 in-state class for Michigan is just loaded with talent. And one of his teammates, Samaj Morgan, uh, also being recruited by Michigan. uh, He's a three-star wide receiver uh, in that 23 class. So, yeah, lots to like about uh, the in-state class here. And those two guys are definitely among the top options for Michigan or really for any uh, school at this point, but uh, two of the top three in the state of Michigan, um, really talented players. And uh, just, you know, these these visits kind of go a long way. And, you know, it it may not pay dividends uh, until a year or so down the road, but it's going to pay dividends nonetheless. And it's good to get them on campus as early and as often as humanly possible. So I think we'll wrap it there, Stephen. I appreciate you and I appreciate the listeners. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at Vaughn underscore lows. On Stephen, where are you at, buddy?
1: At Stephen Tosky.
0: And follow Mason Brew on whatever social media platform you got. We're probably there—Discord, uh, Twitter, Facebook, all that good stuff. We're there. Give us five-star reviews on the podcast. We'd really appreciate it. And give Stephen's work uh, on YouTube a uh, a subscription as well. We would certainly appreciate it there. Uh, For Steven Ostentoski, I'm Vaughn Lozon. We'll catch you guys next week. Go Blue. All right, dude. Thanks a lot.
1: Yeah, man. Thanks. Have a good one.
0: Take it easy. You too. All right. Bye. Bye.